shoulders, pork butts, whatever they were. Um, you can say it that way in church, I guess. It, it, so forgive me. Uh, <clears throat> glad to have him and to do that for us. And Darren McCollum, I think, gave all the bread. Darren Johnson? Darren, Darren McCollum gave all the bread, okay? Darren Johnson gave, uh, gave all the time. So thank you. I don't know who that was. Uh, um, so, so grateful today to uh, jump in this time with uh, Mother's Day. I, I was standing in uh, Cracker Barrel uh, with my dear, dear friend all the way back from first grade, and I happened to see a little plaque that said, um, a, a daughter, when a, when a daughter finally grows up to realize that her mother was right, she already has a daughter who thinks she doesn't know anything. <laughs> and so that's kind of the depiction of this uh, little video that you saw. Uh, there this morning, and so we want to say thank you, especially to all the moms. We have a special gift for you at the close of the service today. I want to ask you if you would please stand with me. Um, we have a text found in the second book of Timothy, and uh, the title of the message today is called Mother's Influence. I'm not going to be long today, but I do want to share some things that I think are very vital. It's a quick departure from Poet Warrior King, and we'll jump right back in track next Sunday for that. Uh, just You don't have to read out loud, just read along with me as I read. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I've been set out to tell others about the life he has promised through faith in Christ Jesus. I'm writing to Timothy, my dear son, may God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith. Everybody say genuine faith. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. Say it again one more time. Genuine faith. Notice he's got it. It first filled his grandmother Lois and then his mother Eunice. The scripture says, And I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Let's bow our hearts together for a word of prayer. Great, gracious God, we thank you this morning for your gift to us in your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I just acknowledge before you that I desperately need you. Holy Spirit, move and speak in this place as you remind us of the importance of a mother's influence. As we celebrate the ladies of this church today, the moms and the grandmothers and the spiritual mothers in the house, those that the book of Judges call like Deborah who arose to become a mother in Israel, Lord, those who step in to come alongside us at times to be able to advise us and encourage us, gently correct us, Lord, to stir us up and challenge us, to charge us with faith. God, thank you for the women in our lives who did that, who've done that, who've provided that kind of spiritual covering. And we, we ask you to bless them. We ask you for your protection to be over moms and grandmoms. Lord, to give them strength when their patience wears thin, to give them grace, O oh God, when they have to deal with our brokenness and our sin. God, we thank you for their love that is everlasting. Thank you that, that the mother's love, Lord, is the picture of how much 
God loves us. It's unceasing. It's unending. It is everlasting. Thank you for the love of a mother. We give you praise in this place and ask you to open our hearts and our eyes to see and hear and understand what you're sharing with us today, Holy Spirit. It is in Jesus' name that we pray and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. The presence of the Lord. One thing that I want to bring to you today is that no one's early life-shaping influence is greater than a mother's. No one's early life-shaping influence is greater than that of a mother's. I could stop today and give you multiplied stories of how my mom prayed for me, stood with me in various seasons of my life. Uh, as a youngster, being bounced on her knee and learning to sing the songs of Zion, as a young man growing up and facing the temptations of this world, praying for me when it was that time when I was not quite out on my own, but I was taking those steps to pull away for a season and find myself as a young man. I remember a story that uh, my, my dear friend from uh, actually first grade, I mentioned being down at Cracker Barrel having breakfast one morning, and he told me this story when he was here. He was going through the process uh, this week of getting his mom settled in an assisted living community. Lovely, sweet lady, Miss uh, Pat Smith, and my friend Preston uh, were here. And so I went to, to see where she was living, and we reminisced and uh, had some wonderful times together and sharing some memories. Preston's dad played, played pro football, played uh, was part of the UT championship team, University of Tennessee Vols in 1950-51, Looney Smith, and uh, then went on to play NFL and Canadian League football, and so big, strapping man, always life of the party, crazy funny. I was part of his funeral celebration, memorial celebration a number of years ago, and so we sat around, and as Miss Pat was getting settled in her new place in Memphis, Preston and I had three days together talking about growing up here in town and some of the stuff we pulled as teenage boys. And, and uh, he, he told me something that I didn't remember, and it brings tears to my eyes just trying to recall it. And he said, um, after we'd grown up and gotten a little bit of a sense about ourselves, and we were a little bit crazy, probably 16, 17, 18 years old, and that three-year period in my life, it was pretty wild. And, um, and Preston looked at mom, my mom, Mary, and he said, Mary, did you, did you know what we were doing when we were out running around those couple of years? And Mary said, oh, yeah, I knew exactly what you were doing. And he said, he said well, did you ever worry about us? And she said, no, because I prayed for you till you got in. Every time. Pray the protection of God. Uh, and I just want to tell you this morning, I'm sorry to be a little bit emotional, but I'm so thankful from the bottom from the tip of my toes up through my soul for a mom who never gave up and a mom who prayed for me. And I'm confident that there may be somebody sitting in here in this service this morning or the next one or possibly listening to this message sometime in the future on the internet that you are where you are right now and you are not a dead man because you've had a mom who prayed for you or a grandmother who prayed for you and stood for you. And this morning, I'm grateful for that. I know that she's a part of Hebrews 12, the great cloud of witnesses that gather and that are cheering us on on the other side, the church triumphant as we refer to them. And along with my Savior, whoever lives to make intercession, my mom is praying for me, and I'm confident of that this morning. 
and I'm thankful for that. And moms, I'm going to tell you, those of you today that are in here and you have a wayward child, you're trusting God for salvation for them, do not give up because the Lord of heaven, the judge of all the earth, hears your prayers and they are not in vain. Somebody say amen. So this morning, I'm grateful today to be able to share with you that no one's early life-shaping influence is greater than a mother's. I have three women in Scripture that I want to briefly speak to you about, but I want to share with you some quotes that I found in preparation for this message. My mother was the most beautiful woman I ever saw. All I am I owe to my mother. I attribute all my success in life to the moral, intellectual, and physical education I received from her, George Washington. There never was a woman like her. She was gentle as a dove and brave as a lioness. The memory of my mother and her teachings were, after all, the only capital I had to start life with. And on that capital, I have made my way. President Andrew Jackson. One Spanish proverb says, an ounce of mother is worth a ton of priest. I think there's some reality in that. There's some truth. I cannot tell you how much I owe to the solemn word of my good mother, the most famous Baptist preacher in the world, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, C.H. Spurgeon. The famous poet laureate Maya Angelou says it this way, to describe my mother would be to write about a hurricane in its perfect power. David O. McKay said, The noblest calling in the world is that of mother. True motherhood is the most beautiful of all arts, the greatest of all professions, she who can paint a masterpiece or who can write a book that will influence millions deserves the plaudits and the admiration of mankind. But she who rears successfully a family of healthy, beautiful sons and daughters whose immortal souls will be exerting an influence throughout the ages long after paintings shall have faded and books and statues that have been destroyed deserves the highest honor that man can give. Somebody say amen. Jane Selman said the phrase working mother is redundant. Sophia Loren says when you are a mother, you are never really alone in your thoughts. A mother always has to think twice, once for herself and once for her child. And all the women said amen. amen. This morning, three famous women in scripture that I want to give to you very briefly. The first one is the wife of the father of our faith. His name is Abraham. Her name is Sarah. And this morning I want to talk to you briefly about Sarah, the woman of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 11 and 12 from the New Living Translation say, It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise, and so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. And what I want you to grasp from this message this morning about the influence that Sarah had literally upon all of us is that it's never too late to trust in the promises of God. Say that with me. It's never too late to trust in the promises of God. Abraham is going about his business. At the time, his name was Abram, and his wife's name was Sarai. And they were probably well-to-do people of the time, living in Ur of the Chaldees, what we would refer to as Babylon, modern-day Iraq. And Abram has a, an experience with God. 
God leads him away from his country, away from his family, away from his home. Very critical message that my mentor preached, gosh, probably 30-something years ago, the seven separations of Abraham, how God will take an individual, a man or a woman, through seasons of isolation in order to build something into the character of that individual. Abraham was called by God to get up and leave the comfortability of the place where he had knowledge of everyone. He had relationships and resources and networks. He had the ability to say, well, I know Joe down at the gas station and I know Jerry down there at the, uh, uh, the tax office. And he had all the connections in town. And yet God called him by faith to get up and leave a place, his comfort zone, and called him into a place the Bible says that he didn't even know yet where he was going. Now, I want to tell you, that takes some real faith. It's one thing to get up and leave and to move to a new destination. But at least you know where you're headed. How many of you know when God calls you by faith to do something, to take a step, and really all you're doing is just going, okay, God, where do I go next? God, where are we going now? And along the way, everywhere Abraham, everywhere Abram went, he would stop and build an altar to the Lord. Everybody say a life of devotion. And in this process of God's calling him out, away from his country, away from his home, away from his family and his kindred, moving out of his comfort zone, God spoke to him and made a promise. It is the basis of the gospel. It is the Old Testament picture of the gospel. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us in the book of Galatians, Paul says that God preached the gospel to Abraham. So the gospel that we see fulfilled in Jesus Christ now began as a set of promises that he made to a man by the name of Abram. And when he did, the experience was so transformative that God changed his name from exalted father Abram to uh, Abraham or father of many nations. Now at this time when God changed his name, Abram was 75 years old, had no heirs. He had a really nice butler, manservant, uh, who, who, who basically followed him, took care of him, served his household, served his family. And he basically just said, well, you know, I guess Eliezer will be my son. I'll pass on everything that I have to him because we love him like a son. Abraham is 75 years old, Sarai. Abram is 75. Sarai is 65. She's a decade younger than he is. Both of them already older than the age of being able to get into a state of child expectation. Too old to be able to experience that wonderful, life-changing, transformative experience of bringing a life into the world. Abraham is 75 uh, Sarah is 65 and God promises Abraham when it looked like it was physically, uh, chronologically too late for him to enjoy a son. God said, I'm going to give you a son. Actually, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. God changed his name and he said, you go by this name. Can you imagine the, the next time that Abram went down to the pub and he hung out with his buddies and he said, hey guys, don't call me Abram anymore. Call me Abraham. Call me. And they said, what? Father of many nations? Are you kidding you're going to have some babies? Or you, must, you must be outside your mind. Or you've, you, you're smoking something. You're crazy. And so he begins to trust God. And God, every time he has an encounter with the Lord, God opens up the heavens and shows him in some kind of different way. He says, look at the sand on the seashore. Count them. You can't. Your seed will be greater than that. Look at the dust of the earth. 
count the specks. You can't. Your seed will be greater than that. He said, look up to the heavens and see the stars in the sky. Count them. Your seed will be greater than that. And God showed Abraham in three dimensions, the dust, the sand, and the stars. And literally, we see the seed of Abraham as the dust, the, 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 that which came through Ishmael, the sand, that which came through Isaac, and the stars, that which comes through the church, Jesus Christ. Three seeds, dust, sand, and stars, a heavenly seed in the church. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together. Give the Lord praise this morning. All of that happened because a woman who was too old decided that she would trust God in, the, in spite of the circumstances of her own body. And you find out from Genesis 12 to Genesis 22 the story of how God brought Isaac, the promised one, to bear. How God brought him into the world and literally God got the last laugh. There was one time, I believe it was in Genesis 18, when they were visited by an angelic host and they're sitting in the tent and the angel delivers a message to Abraham whose name had been changed by this time and he says, this time next year you're going to have a new son and, and Sarah is outside. Her name had already been changed. God had added an ah to Sarah and a ha to, to Abraham. Everybody say aha. Ah <laughs> How many of you know God always gets the last laugh? And so when God brought aha together, when he brought the ah of Sarah and the ha of Abraham, God brought Isaac into the world. How many of you know what Isaac's name means? Everybody say laughter. How, what do you think about that? Some of you going, wow, that's just too cool. Well, it's because a woman of faith trusted God. And the Bible says even when her body, her womb was now dead, that she trusted God in spite of. Listen to this. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and too old. Everybody say too old. She was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. Now let me just tell you right now, this message isn't all about having natural babies, but I want to tell somebody in this room this morning, you are never too old and it's never too late to put your trust in the promises of God. Say it with me right there. It's never too late. I'm never too old to put my trust in the promises of God. What do you think about that? Abraham Lincoln said it this way, all that I am or ever hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. It's not just a mom who believes God to get you into the world, but it's a mom who believes God to take care of your mess once you get here. And she changes our diapers and, and takes care of us and corrects us and, and pours out unconditional love upon us. Secondly, this morning, I want to talk to you for a couple of minutes about a woman that you might not be familiar with her name. Her name is Jochebed. She is the mother of Moses. Dad is Amram. Mother is Jochebed. You kind of have to really dig in Scripture to find out what her name is because immediately in Exodus 2, you don't, it, the name's not given. Jochebed is a woman of courage, a woman of great courage. Listen to Hebrews chapter 11 this morning, verses 23 through 27. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child. I believe the King James says a proper child. Now what does that mean? Another translation says a fine child. Uh, now, how, how many of you know that I don't care how ugly the baby is, every mama thinks that baby's beautiful? <laughs> I mean, it can just be, it can just be capital U-G-U-G-L-Y. 
And the, every mom, my, my mother said this one time, she says, you know, son, there ain't any ugly babies. Every crow thinks hers is the blackest. <laughs> every mama thinks her baby is the prettiest. And there's something about that love and that belief and the courage to protect and the courage to defend that rises to a level beyond the natural circumstance in every normal mom's life because Jochebed had some crazy circumstances to defend her child in. Listen, they saw that God had given them an unusual child and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. Now to give you a little bit of history found in Exodus chapter, latter part of Exodus 1 and opening of chapter 2 when, when this baby drawn from the water, which is named Moses, means to take him out of the water, to draw him from the water. Uh, to tell you the story... The king had commanded that all of the boy babies in Israel be thrown into the Nile River. It was the abortion du jour. It was the way that they were able to prevent population growth of a group that they feared because the blessing of God was on the seed of Abraham and Isaac and now Jacob and, and Rachel and Rebekah had found their way into Egypt because God had through a 13-year series of circumstances, brought young Joseph to a place of leadership in the second place in the prime minister position upon the throne of the most powerful nation at that time in history, which was the dynasty of Egypt. And from that time, a hundred years or so have passed. Another Pharaoh has come to the throne. Israel has begun to explode Everybody has gone through the season of the seven great years of abundance and then the seven years of famine and everybody sold themselves into slavery and the, 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 uh, the children of God, the Israelites, are now slaves to Pharaoh and he is fearful of them because there's so many of them. They, the, the scripture says that, 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 that the women are strong and they give birth quickly. And, and, and those women who would come alongside them, the midwives to come alongside them to birth them, were commanded by Pharaoh to kill the boy babies. Let the girl babies live, but kill the boy babies. Very same thing happens. God is a, was raising up a deliverer, and it's like the enemy knows it. He makes an attempt to try and destroy the seed. Fast forward 2,000 years later, and you find the same kind of circumstances happening at the birth of the deliverer, our heavenly Moses, he is the federal head of the new covenant. His name is Jesus. And we have Herod on the throne who is jealous because wise men come visiting and said, we've come to worship the king of the Jews. And Herod thinks, wait a minute, I am the king of the Jews. There's only one king of the Jews. And so he says, tell me where he is that I may go and worship him with you. And of course, you know the greatest genocide took place in a portion of Judea. All the women of Ramah began to lift up and weep because all the boy babies two years and under got killed again because the enemy was afraid of God raising up a deliverer. Fast forward almost 2,000 years later to 1973. Roe v. Wade is passed. We saw God raise up Moses to deliver the old covenant people. We saw God raise up Jesus to deliver and set the church free. And I believe this generation is set in place for God to raise up a whole generation of mighty men and women of God. We've seen 50 million plus babies aborted because of convenience. I don't want to offend anybody, but we're, let me just tell you right now, if you're a guest and you're looking for a politically correct church, this is not for you. We love you. Glad to have you today. We can recommend some other places for you, but we don't play the political correctness game. God forgives folks that get abortions, 
and he can set you on your way and turn your life around. But life is life. Somebody say amen. Don't, don't shout me down this morning. Not playing. You know the story. Jochebed gets a little boat, a little bitty tiny ark, big enough for that little boy baby who is about three months old now, and she weaves that thing together and she lines it with some soft material, possibly the fur of an animal. The scripture says she pitches it with pitch. And that word for pitch in the Old Testament Hebrew literally is the same word for atonement. It's kafar. It's, it's the covering. It's the picture of the blood of Jesus Christ. And this little deliverer was carrying the atonement for a whole nation, even when he was a baby. <laughs> Woo, I feel that this morning. I want to tell you that God sees something in you when you're just a little nothing but making messes and screaming and crying. He sees destiny on your life. And he will put a defense mechanism into a mama that will make her do crazy things to try to take care of her baby. And she will see potential and destiny in your life when nobody else does. When they just see you as a dirty little nasty loud mess maker. Mamas can see things in the lives of their children because God gives them the ability to be a visionary. Oh my was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Everybody say refused. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. Everybody say he chose. He refused. He chose. Why do you think Moses could do that? Because he had a mama who was not afraid to disobey the king's command. I believe God's raising up some people in this day that will stand in the face of a government in America that's gone awry, that's gone totally off track and will say, I'm sorry, we love you, we're not against anybody, but this is what we're for. And if that means that it hair lips the state of Arkansas, we're going to do it anyway. Amen. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. God, help us to raise up a generation that is not so me-focused in the right now with such a microwave mentality that we are possessed with the need for instant gratification that we can never put off now in order to have something greater in the future. Let us look ahead to a reward and to an inheritance that is ours in Christ. I'm sorry, I've got to settle down a little bit this morning. He was looking ahead to his great reward. It is by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. My, my, my. The faith of Sarah got into Isaac, and he became a man of faith. The courage of Jochebed got into Moses, and he became a man of courage. Thank God for mamas. Y'all, this is fresh. I have a whole file of Mother's Day messages, and I just I looked at them. I thought, well, you know what? I'll just take a break, chill out this week. And I took it home, took two thick folders, all kinds of great stuff home. And it's like the Lord said, no, no, that's stale. Let me give you something fresh. <laughs> Are you getting anything out of this? It was by faith that Moses left the hand of Egypt, left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. <laughs> 
man, I wish I could stop and unpack that and preach that this morning. There are times when everybody around you and everything around you is going to keep pulling at you and trying to get you to slow down and get you to get off your course and go another direction and distract you. But how many of you know when you've seen him who is invisible and you keep your eyes on him, you are looking ahead to something great for your future. Nothing can distract you. Nothing can get you off course. Come on, somebody. When no one else sees destiny and greatness on your life, mom does. When everybody else has given up on your potential, mom doesn't quit. The future destiny of a child is always the work of the mother, so says Napoleon Bonaparte. Wow. My mother said to me, if you become a soldier, you'll become a general. If you become a monk, you'll end up as the pope. Instead, I became a painter and wound up as Picasso. Had a mama who believed in him. Would have got you to put some morals into him. The mother more than any other affects the moral and spiritual part of the children's character. She is their constant companion and teacher in formative years. The child is ever imitating and assimilating the mother's nature. He won't do what you say. He will do what he sees you do. The child is ever imitating and assimilating the mother's nature. It is only in afterlife that men gaze backwards and behold how a mother's hand and heart of love molded their young lives and shaped their destiny. E.W. Caswell. Finally this morning, I want to share just a few moments on the last. We've talked about Sarah, woman of faith, Jochebed, woman of courage. And lastly this morning, we want to celebrate Mary, woman of purpose. Luke chapter 1 verse 26 says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee. Kind of a know-nothing, kind of a, just a little place that everybody said, you know, when Jesus came along, can anything good come out of Nazareth? To a virgin named Mary, she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Verse 29 says, Confused and disturbed. Ed, say those words with me. Confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. He says in verse 30, Don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, For you have found favor with God. Okay, sounds good so far. Every one of us could like that. Think about being a 15-year-old girl and a big war angel appears to you. Ten feet tall, sword in hand. Fear not. Yeah, that would be the first thing I'd wait to hear. Hey, I've come in peace. Fear not. <laughs> this is what she, he says. You found favor. Okay, sounds great. What's coming next? This is what he says. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. There's so much here I wish I could take time and unpack, but I can't this morning. He will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. My, my, my. Verse 34, Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen, seeing I am a virgin? I love the King James. says, how can this be, since I know not a man? And I love that. That's exactly how. Because man doesn't have anything to do with it. What do you mean I'm going to conceive and bring forth a son? How can this be? I'm a virgin. There's no possible way what you're saying can happen. And he says that's exactly how it's going to happen. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born 
will be holy. King James says, That holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of the Highest. It says, He will be called the Son of God here in the NLT. Verse 36, What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. I love it how God takes folk who think it's too late for Him to show up and He totally changes their life, transforms everything around them because of the power of the seed of God and the ability to trust through faith in God's ability to keep the promise that He said they would give. It's never too late. Come on, somebody. I love it. Verse 37, for the word of God will never fail. King James says, uh, with God nothing shall be impossible. The original says, with no word from God is void of power. How many know when God speaks, along with that word is the accompanying ability to produce what that word is saying? So when you trust in the promise of God like Sarah and when you see the promise come to pass and you see the destiny on the child and you protect that baby because everything in the culture around you is attempting to try to destroy a delivering generation that God would raise up. Then remember this morning, like Mary, you are a woman of purpose. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. What I want to say in closing this morning is that nobody will sacrifice for their children the way a mom. Mom will sacrifice for her child like no one else. She will give up food to put food in her baby's mouth. She will take clothes off of her own back and refit them and sew them so that they can keep that little one warm sacrificing to the point sometimes of even denying her own personal needs. Every mom in this room who's lived long enough knows what that means. To certainly sacrifice things that you want in order to provide for things that he or she needs and has to have. I can only think about the maturity level that had to be in a 15-year-old girl who was betrothed. She was engaged to be married, had given her word, was supposed to carry her purity into the, 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 the marriage bed. And before she actually experiences that consummation of the promise with her husband to be Joseph, she has to go to him and tell him, I was visited by an angel and I was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and I'm starting to show. Now, that's just outlandish. Think about hearing that from, let's say, you're a 20-something young man from a nice middle-class carpenter family in Nazareth and you've got this beautiful young bride and all of a sudden she's not as pure as you thought she was. And you can, you can know, you, if you read the story in Matthew 1, which tells about the angelic visitation that Joseph had, Basically, Gabriel shows up and says, hey, this thing's going to be okay. Go ahead and take her as your wife because this is a thing from God. How many of you know anytime God promises to do something in your life, there's always going to be a confirming word come through somebody else. He'll always give you somebody that will say, I hear that and I stand in agreement with you in Jesus' name. Just like God will give you some fellowship because when you get in a state of expectation of the promise of God, you'll show up and find an old cousin that's too old to get pregnant, but God blessed her in a crazy kind of way and she's expecting too. And the minute you meet, the babes in both wombs leap. 
Now that's just as a woman thing because this is Mother's Day. But come on, guys, we can experience this too. When you experience true, real, godly brotherhood and friendship and, and fellowship, there's something that leaps on the inside of you. Now, we don't, we, we're, we're men. We don't have wombs. That's why they're called not man but woman, womb, womb man, man with a womb. I don't want to be offensive to anybody at all, but I want to tell you something. To be a mother, you have to be female. And to be in the plan of God, it's one man and one woman. Again, I'm not politically correct. Now, let me just say this. I'm, I'm aware of the congregations here this morning, and we will throw our doors open wide, and we will wrap our arms around every individual that comes into this place, no matter what kind of lifestyle that they may currently be gripped in, we will, because the gospel is big enough to change anybody. Come on, somebody. We will love. We will love. But we will never back up from saying the plan of God because when you walk according to the plan of God, the blessing of God follows. Where God guides, God provides. And when a man leaves his father and mother and cleaves to his wife, not to his husband, but cleaves to his wife, and the two become one flesh, you have a picture a completed picture of the image of God because God puts the imago Dei in the man and in the woman and there are characteristics of God in the male and characteristics of God in the female because God is neither male nor female. God is not a man. We know Him to be revealed in Scripture as Heavenly Father but I just want to tell you this. I, I don't want to, want to rattle anybody, but God is much mother. He is as much mother to you as He is father to you because God is not male or female. He is spirit. And when He made man, He made them male and female, and together they bring to show us the full demonstration of the image of God. Dad will be stern. He will give me self-discipline. There are times when his patience will be short and he will say, put up or shut up. Fish or cut bait, son, and mom will, she will love and unconditionally pour out her mercy over and over and over. And you know what? It takes both of those together. And if you have one expression without the other, it's out of whack. Because it's going to take discipline to mature. It's also going to take mercy. Oh my goodness, thank God for the mercy of mother who has loved me through some of my biggest messes in my whole life. Come on, somebody say amen. And so through both of them together, through a female representation of God. And the scripture, Jesus quoted Deuteronomy, says, As a mother eagle fluttereth over her young, so does your heavenly Father over you. And that's the, the picture of pushing those birds out of the nest to, to mature them. Jesus said, as, as a hen gathers her brood, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how oft have I would, would I've gathered you together, but you would not. Even as a, as a mother hen gathers over her chicks, calling them together. And so he gives us pictures of the father side of God and the mother side of the love of God. And God is both. As a matter of fact, El Shaddai means the many-breasted one. Again, I don't want to offend, but to translate the Hebrew, it's, it's a God with many breasts. And that's the picture of being able to suckle up to and the warm comfort of the mother's side of God providing for us. El Shaddai, the God who's more than enough. The Lord Almighty, the many-breasted one. And so God is mother and God is father and He is all of that to us. And thank God that He gave us that representation of His love in the image when He put it into the heart of the females, the women. Because it takes, it takes a mom to bring a baby into the world. And so thank God for moms who have faith and believe when others don't. 
Thank God for moms who have courage when others quit. Thank God for moms who always realize there's purpose in your life. And she'll be willing to take on the weight of something that maybe even be before her time. Think about the sword that pierced her soul when she saw her son go to the cross because she knew he was a proper child. He was a fine child. He was a man of destiny. He was the son of God. This morning as we close this service and end it today, we have a gift for you as you leave, ladies. I wish that it could be two dozen roses and a cruise to the Caribbean. <laughs> wish we could bless you with all of those. I think it's cute. You'll see it when you see it. Um, anyway, just a little kind of mom gift. Probably some of the men will end up using it too. But, uh, all, I, all I can say is we thank God for the love that you cook up in the home. And you stir up our faith. Today, I'm grateful because of the discipline of a father's love and the mercy of a mother's love. And together we see them brought together in Jesus Christ who provides for us a way because sin separated us. Our original mom and dad, Adam and Eve, basically just thumbed, gave God the finger and committed high treason and said, no, no, we're going to make our own choices. We're going to eat where we want to eat. We're going to act how we want to act. They believed the lie of the enemy, the slithering serpent that came into the garden. And sin entered through the act and the disobedience of one man. The Bible says through the, the obedience, through one man, Jesus Christ, righteousness will be given as a gift to many. And I want to ask you this morning, are you part of that many? Didn't say to all. Didn't say everybody was going to get it. Didn't say everybody would be saved. But it said to many. One man's disobedience created havoc that destruction, chaos rang throughout the universe. One man's obedience totally turned it all around. And you have a choice. And the reason it's not all and it's many is because everybody's not going to make the right choice. And God gives you that opportunity because of an example, possibly of a mom or a praying grandmom. Some of you may be sitting here today in this place right now and Maybe grandmom has already graduated to glory. Maybe mom has already graduated to glory. Maybe you had a mom that didn't know the Lord. Maybe you're a first generation to actually break through and to know Jesus as your personal Savior. You can do that before you leave this place. It's not about leaving here with a charge to try to get your life straight and really turn over a new leaf and start a whole new kind of way of doing things and maybe things will get better. No, 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 it's none of that self-help, religious kind of motivational talk. This is bottom line gospel. Jesus came and died to pay the penalty for your sins. He died and rose again to break the power of sin over your life. So it's not just a get out of jail card free in the future, but it's also the life, the ability of God to transform how you live right now. You don't have to stay in bondage to anything or anybody except the Lord. To realize He is Lord. He is King. He is the Son of God. His kingdom will be forever. He will reign forever and ever and ever. 
You know what that begins when you can say, Lord, come reign in my heart. Be Lord over my life. So today with every head bowed, every eye closed, as we close this service, we're thanking God for moms. You're here today because a mom invested in you, raised you. Moms that are here, thank God for you and the investments you're still making in children and grandchildren, possibly even great-grandchildren. We honor you. You know, the greatest thing you can ever do is to give your life to the Lord because the influence that we have is multiplied. Our ordinary becomes extraordinary when Jesus gets involved and comes into our hearts and changes our lives. So this morning, every head's bowed, every eye's closed. If that's you today, and we'd say, Pastor, please pray for me. I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. Slip your hand up. I want to pray.